right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is early Friday morning as I record this late once again, uh, after watching what was truly an incredible Game 3 performance by your Denver Nuggets. They win 120-115, to stealing Game 3, frankly. Stealing it with some hot shooting from Austin Rivers, from a lot of their role players. All of the Nuggets got involved in the action here, and I thought it was very impressive the way that they managed it, the way that they handled a hostile environment. They went in there and absolutely took care of business. They dropped 39 points in the first quarter, looked like they belonged. It was awesome. It was great. Uh, I went to the DNVR bar myself. Uh, shout out to Adam Mares, Brendan Vogt, uh, Gordon, or, uh, uh, Eric Weedham, Harrison Wynn, D- Dev Johnson, guys like that. Uh, Kale Sorbo, who's over there. Uh, those guys, they put on an incredible show. The bar was popping. I went over there because I actually don't have uh, NBA TV at my place. So I went downtown. Uh, not just because of that, but they they do a great job. They do have they have a great vibe, and what those guys are doing down there is incredible. So, if you're looking for a place to watch Game Four with all of your friends, head on down to the DMVR bar. It's a great vibe. The Nuggets put on a show. They did exactly what they needed to do in this game to absolutely flip the momentum of this series. And put the Blazers in a really difficult situation. We're going to talk about all of it. Uh, We're going to talk about what this means, what this win means for the series, and how Denver can approach it going forward. But I want to start by talking about Austin Rivers, who I don't know that if you had told me back in March, let's say, if you told me back in March that Austin Rivers would be the difference in a playoff game, a playoff win for your Denver Nuggets, I would have said you were completely insane. Denver, they had their guys. Jamal Murray, Will Barton, just traded for Aaron Gordon, already have Michael Porter, still have Monte Morris, Faku Campazo, guys like that. Like, this team doesn't need any more guards. What are you talking about? Well, when Will Barton goes down, when P.J. Dozier goes down, on top of Jamal Murray already going out for the season, you need some help. You need to find a way. And the Nuggets struck gold, absolute gold, when they picked up Austin Rivers. I was a little skeptical. I didn't know if he was going to be exactly what they needed. He was more of an innings eater. If you're if you're a, familiar with baseball terms, he's a guy who's going to soak up minutes. He's going to help Denver get through the regular season. I didn't really know what to expect in the playoffs, but what I definitely didn't expect was 21 points on 7 of 14 from the field, 5 of 10 from 3, and 2 of 2 from the line. That is not what I expected. I did not expect Austin freaking Rivers to hit back-to-back-to-back clutch threes in the fourth quarter of a close game. To really separate it, to really give Denver the necessary window and cushion that it needed in order to get this wit, this victory. It wasn't all him, don't get me wrong. Like there were other players who contributed here, most notably Nikola Jokic, who we'll talk about in a bit. But think about Austin Rivers. Think about where he started this year. Started in New York. 
the year before he was with Houston, with the Houston Rockets playing with James Harden and Russell Westbrook coming off the bench there. That kind of that kind of failed. He went to Houston or he went to New York, got himself a better deal, got himself into a situation where he thought he was going to play under Tom Thibodeau. Then they decided they didn't really need him, that they didn't want to play him. And to New York's credit, they they found a formula that works for them, and it involved bringing in Derrick Rose, which I'm sure uh, Austin Rivers wasn't super happy about. And then when that happened, and Austin Rivers' role sort of drastically declined, they decided to ship him out. They didn't need him. They shipped him to Oklahoma City, along with some draft capital, things like that. And Oklahoma City cut him. The worst team in the NBA cut Austin Rivers. Probably Austin's preference. He wanted to be for a playoff contender. He wanted somebody to pick him up. And then the phone didn't ring. And it still didn't ring. And Austin Rivers was very conscious about that. He had heard, and said so after this presser, he had heard that it wasn't necessarily because of his talent that he wasn't getting those calls. It was because of his personality. It was because of his character. And that hurt. It hurts anybody. When you hear that it's not like the the reason why you're not being hired is because you're not a good person is basically what they're saying. That's bad. That's a really tough situation to look at. So Austin Rivers looked in the mirror and he decided, okay, the next situation that he's going to get, he's going to make the most of it. He's going to be a positive energy source. And so far, there is zero to complain about from Denver's end. Austin Rivers has delivered in a big, big way. He's stepped into a starting role. Isn't always great, isn't always perfect, but gives them just enough of everything. Offense, defense, spacing, leadership, just overall professionalism. That he was always going to be a helpful player in a playoff situation. Now, as it turns out, is a little bit more than just helpful. He won them this game. Four threes in the second half, including three back-to-back-to-back. And the last one that he hit was a confident move over CJ McCollum. It was incredible to watch. I watched it at the DNVR bar. Everybody was going insane. And the fact that it was Austin Rivers was the hero. It means a lot. Michael Porter Jr. hasn't been the hero in any of these ser- in any of these games yet. Nikola Jokic has been constant, but tonight it was Austin Rivers who stepped up. And it's great that you got the Austin Rivers game. You might not get another one, but it's okay to celebrate this one. Actually, I think that we definitely should. Austin Rivers, take a bow. You definitely deserve to be on an NBA roster. Definitely deserve to be in an NBA rotation. And this version of Austin Rivers the one that brings it every single night, remains confident with his shot, absolutely deserves whatever contract is coming his way this next offseason. Maybe it's even with Denver. I don't know. Let's talk about Nikola Jokic. What more can really be said, honestly, about the big Serbian center who just won't ever say die? The Nuggets got out to a slow start in this game, and I think it was about 16 to 9 when uh, Denver called a timeout. 
They knew they needed something uh, going through Jokic, and he immediately drills a three. And then he drills another one. And then he hits a, a floater. And then he hits a post-up shot. And uh, he just looks incredibly confident right now in his place on this Nuggets team, is in his place in the NBA. He feels and looks just very at ease in his situation. And it shows all throughout the game, where even if he has to take a contested shot, he still continues to work for better ones. He still continues to work for the right looks. And he makes enough of those contested shots that you just get the sense that the confidence is brimming at this point. And, and a player that knows his place like that and is comfortable in his own skin, as somebody like Jokic, who is always a passer first, who is always who's the uh, points make one person happy and assist makes two people happy. That was his motto. That was his persona. Him being able to pivot over these last three games and deliver 34, 38, and 36 points in a row, it's incredible. And the Blazers don't have an answer. It's not Yusuf Nurkic. It's certainly not an Eskanter. Uh, they went to Robert Covington at center at times, went to Carmelo Anthony defending him at times. Uh, that was something that Jokic wasn't necessarily ready for, the mellow stuff. And so I don't think he was as good in those situations as he probably could have been. But he will get better, and he will continue to download information and improve. Because right now, he knows exactly what he needs, needs to do against Yusuf Nurkic and against Inez Cantor. Those guys don't have an answer for him. And if the Blazers continue to defend him one-on-one, -on -one, they are playing with fire at this point. That is going to be an interesting... Um, it's going to be an interesting battle for them in Game 4. All of the pressure on them. We're going to talk about it in Segment 3. Last one before we go to break. The three-point shooting is a very big storyline. Denver, 20 of 38 from three. Nearly 53%. When was the last time you heard of the Nuggets making 23s? This just doesn't happen. The Nuggets don't have as much talent, as much shooting talent, as some of these other teams. And yet, all of their guys are still shooting comfortably. All of their guys still feel very confident and in control and poised and ready to go. Aaron Gordon hits a transition three. Looks really good. Uh, Michael Porter, still three of five from three, despite some struggles inside. We'll talk about those in segment two. Nikola Jokic, four of seven. He just continues to stay dialed in there. Faku Campazo, two of six. He has to take some difficult shots. But when he does make those shots, they feel very, very big. And then, of course, Austin Rivers goes 5 of 10. You'll love to see it. Austin Rivers may not make another five threes in the series. But he made the five that he needed to tonight. It was right at the right time for Denver. Each of Denver's bench players outside of Shaq Harrison also made a three. They combined to go 5 of 11. That's really good. You take that. On the other side, the Blazers, they shot 31% from three. 
They only made 14 of 45 threes. Denver attempted less and made more. Attempted fewer and made more. Robert Covington, 0 of 2, and he airballed 1. Norman Powell, 2 of 6, and he airballed 1. Yusuf Nurkic, 0 of 1. CJ McCollum, 3 of 10. Those guys combined went 5 of 19. Damian Lillard, he went 5 of 16. His shot difficulty is through the roof right now. So it's not a surprise, or at least it shouldn't be, that he only made 5 of 16 threes. It might not sustain. He's good enough that he can hit more of those. But if he had another game where he went 5 of 16, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Now, Carmelo Anthony, he hit 4 of 8. This was another really good mellow game. Anthony Simons, he went 0 of 2. Didn't look comfortable out there. He missed a wide open one, maybe two. The Blazers had open opportunities, wide open opportunities on several occasions. And the fact that they didn't capitalize, it might just be a situation where this was their, like for Denver, when they were in game one, Denver couldn't really make anything. They weren't shooting confidently. Uh, This could be a situation like that for the Blazers. They are still a talented shooting team. They have to be. But they also sort of leverage that shooting talent with as just a high number of three-point attempts that might be, it might be kind of masking some of the confidence issues that they may be facing. And we're going to see. We're going to see whether they can come back from this. Whether down 2-1, you've got a lot of pressure on you. How do you respond? Do you respond by going 50% from three again, like you did in the because they, they shot 47 and 48% in the first two games. This was this was regression. This is this was expected. Like they were shooting a very high percentage on shots from three. So this was an expected regression from them. We will see if it continues or not. The Nuggets got away with one though, because a lot of those shots were wide open. And I don't think the Blazers will miss as many wide open shots as they had tonight. But they got just enough. In a game where the Blazers still scored 115 points. That's what the Nuggets needed. They needed just enough misses. In order to stay ahead. And they got it. And they got it. Denver goes ahead 2-1 in the series. It's just a really, really good story for this team right now. Um, when we come back, we are going to talk about more of this game and just, just more of some of the storylines that have cropped up. But first, this podcast, as you know, it is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. All of these promotions that DraftKings Sportsbook is doing, they have big stakes, big promotions. There is a current one that's going on where you could turn $5 into 200 40 to 1 odds on any basketball game. All you have to do is pick any team. That is still in the hunt for the trophy, and if that team wins, you receive $200 in free credits. I bet the Nuggets money line tonight, I got my money. I got my $200 in free credits, and you can too. Just pick any team that is still in contention, bet $5, and if that team wins cash, you get $200 in free credits. All it takes to claim these 40 to 1 odds, bet on the basketball team of your choosing by placing a $5 bet on that team, and for that team to win. DraftKings, they are safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. This is going to be a lot of fun, Nuggets fans. 
I know that if you're betting on the Nuggets right now, probably cashed in some prizes, probably cashed in some DraftKings stuff. They're going to keep giving you some great deals, so make sure to go at them. Make sure to let them know that you came from us, so download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. That is $5 to claim $200 in free credits. That's promo code MHS for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager paid out in site credits, restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Back here on Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Uh, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, just let me know where you're coming from. I'd be very curious to see uh, if you're on Apple, Spotify, Google. Um, make sure to let me know. And if you've, if, you've got a, if you've got any recommendations for the podcast, just make sure to leave a review. Those are always appreciated. Let's talk about MBJ. Um, Michael Porter Jr. had an interesting game on Thursday night. Not a good game. Let's just stay, say that for a start. Let's let's start defensively. Really rough defensive game for Michael Porter Jr. He just looked out of place for most of it, for almost all of it, frankly. Where any time the Blazers ran something at him, it looked like he was giving up something. There were very few times where he contained what he needed to uh, when the Blazers attacked him, whether he was uh, defending in the pick and roll, whether he was getting posted up by Carmelo Anthony late in the game, uh, whether he was on the backside rotations uh, to try to get back out to other people. It looked like he was lost out there. And that's not a good sign. Him regressing in this playoff series would be a bad sign. Not everybody responds to the away crowd uh, and all of that pressure really well. And this could be the way that Michael Porter doesn't respond that well and how that's manifesting. Because he had a decent offensive game. Three of five from three, made some very important shots, uh, did a lot of good things uh, from just a, a movement perspective and drawing a lot of attention. But there is a massive weakness in his game right now on the offensive end, and it's just him being thrown around pretty consistently on the offensive end. He isn't strong enough and doesn't establish position well. And when he can't establish position, he's always going to be bumped off his spot. He's always going to have a a dribble handoff disrupted, uh, a pick and roll disrupted, running off screens, that's getting disrupted too can't back cut, can't move where you want to go, can't run the offense the way it needs to be run with the timing that it needs in order to get himself free shots. There's a reason why he only took 11 shots tonight. And I'm glad he didn't take more. There's a reason why he only took 11 shots, and it's because the Blazers were stuck to him like white on rice. 
It was Covington at times, but mostly it was Norman Powell. Norman Powell did a great job against him and continues to bother him with his physicality, getting under his skin, getting into his airspace, poking the ball free, uh, knocking him off his spots. Norman Powell's doing a great job on Michael Porter. And yet Michael Porter still led the team in plus minus at plus 14, had 15 points and hit three threes. So it's not all sunshine and roses for everybody else. Michael Porter's still doing some good stuff. Got a steal tonight. Um, I will say that the one thing other than the defense, the defense does bother me and he, he has to be better there because the Nuggets, like, they already run a bunch of stuff at Nikola Jokic, uh, the Blazers do, and it tires him out consistently. They are trying to exhaust him as much as they possibly can. So Porter has to be better because he isn't asked to do everything on offense and defense in the way that Jokic is consistently asked to do so. So when Porter gets targeted, he has to respond. I I don't blame Jokic as much in situations where he struggles to guard Damian Lillard. I do blame Porter a little bit more because he is more athletic. He's better laterally. He can leap. Like he can do all of those things. And it just felt like Lillard was torching him every single time. So it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts, how he continues to get better. This was his first road playoff game. So take it with a grain of salt. I think he will be better, but these are all still learning experiences. And that's really the most important thing in this cursed season without Jamal Murray is that Michael Porter needs to ascend. He needs to be that dude. And so far, he had 25 points in game one. He had some good moments in game two, had a couple big shots in game three. So it's not like he has been invisible, but he's been getting worse and worse throughout that time. And I wonder if he can turn that trend around and have himself a game. Uh, we're going to see. We're going to see whether he can do it. I, I have faith in him. I trust his talent. 14 offensive rebounds for the Blazers tonight. Uh, they shot 100 shots and uh, turned the ball over seven times. They did a really good job of recovering some of those other misses, and they converted those misses at a high rate as second chance points. I don't have the numbers in front of me on how many second chance points they had, but it felt like a lot. Nurkic got some. Covington got some. McCollum, he grabbed some offensive rebounds, kicked it out to people. Uh, Mello got an offensive board. They converted those opportunities. And the Nuggets, given how much they already struggle to stop the Blazers from using the blender offense that they normally do, they can't give them extra opportunities. Because if they do, it's going to make it difficult like it did tonight. There's not much really to be said about that. It's just about, like, I thought that Porter was really bad on the defensive glass. I think that Gordon, he's guarding Lillard a lot of the time, so he gets a little bit of a pass. Uh, Jokic grabbed five total defensive rebounds. I think he's probably the guy that you look to as, hey, you need to be better there. Faku grabbed seven defensive rebounds. He led the team in defensive rebounding, which, like, that's a big deal. And Faku took that burden on and knew exactly how he needed to impact the game. 
and did it that way. Uh, let's talk about Faku now because I know a lot of you, especially my friends from Argentina, got on me a lot for being pretty Faku negative at the beginning of the season and throughout most of the season because there are certain things that he just can't do that are going to make it difficult and have made it difficult for the Nuggets. Like, can he defend Damian Lillard? No. Maybe what I'm what I should have been saying at that point was can anybody defend Damian Lillard? Because the answer right now is no, especially on the Nuggets. So, what you have to do is you have to provide value in other ways. If you're if you're a point guard that can't defend the opposing point guard, you have to find other ways to contribute and that is what he's doing. He has rebounded the ball well. He got 8 assists tonight. Did have 3 turnovers and that's something we have to talk about at some point, but actually not really. Like Eight assists to three turnovers, that's fine. Like, I'll take it. Like, <laughs> Porter having three turnovers and, like, Monte Morris having three turnovers, I think it's different than Faku having three because he's trying to be aggressive. There was one such turnover where he uh, tried to go, like, he tried to kind of okey-doke Damian Lillard on a back cut to Nikola Jokic and Lillard stole the ball. That was the one where Faku fouled him and then Lillard turned around and got in his face. Uh, yeah, Nuggets up 2-1, so who cares? But I think that he he finds a way to be positive. He finds a way to make a positive impact, and I think I was underrating that, that he really is a gamer, that he finds a way to just, uh, wherever the game really takes it, he can transition into whatever the team needs. Tonight it was, hey, we need help on the defensive glass. We need you to set up some good passing opportunities for other players. And we need you to be a bother. And he got two steals and one block tonight. And and I think most of the time, most of the defensive reps that he had, like I think AG spent most of his time on Dame. I think that Rivers spent most of his time on McCollum, if I'm not mistaken. They had Faku on Norman Powell a lot. And I thought that was a good idea. Because Powell, like, he's going to have some opportunities being a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger than Faku. But then the ball's out of Dame's hands. Then the ball's out of CJ's hands. I think you're okay with that. And a lot of Powell's opportunities actually came on the second unit as well. So it's not like Faku was out there for the entire time that Norman Powell went 8 of 14 or whatnot. If I had to peg uh, Faku's game, it would be that he was a valuable contributor all around 11 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, plus 8, third highest plus minus on the team. Hard to really argue with that. Nothing more can really be said about that otherwise. Uh, just really great to see him finding a way and fitting into what this Nuggets team needed from him. And it turned out it was as a starter. Turned out it was next to Nikola Jokic. And I was I'm surprised by that. I didn't think that that would be a thing. Um I thought the Aaron Gordon minutes on Damian Lillard were fine. Uh you can see Lillard figuring out how to shoot over him and where he needs to be on the court in order to get those shots over Aaron Gordon. Uh but I thought Aaron Gordon had some good minutes in the first half. I mentioned that transition 3 uh, that he had in the beginning of the game. 
he had some other great drives and some other great, like he had a nice post-up opportunity on Dame. Uh, he had some other good plays, uh, 13 points, four rebounds, three assists, zero turnovers. Uh, didn't have a steal or a block, but I thought he did a good job of chasing around Lillard. And there's a reason that Dame went five of 16 and not eight of 16. It's because the, the length of Aaron Gordon really helped out there. So, sorry, I think I'm losing my voice. Uh, that's not surprising given how much podcasting I'm doing, but, um, no, I'm, I'm glad to see that Gordon is finding his niche, his niche. Uh, I'm glad to see that in a situation where Denver needed somebody to step up so the Faku could stay on the floor so that Rivers didn't have to do it, Gordon was the guy, and he's still able to make positive contributions on the offensive end. I thought that one of the final plays of the game, uh, where Jokic has the ball in the post against Robert Covington, uh, they had to go small because Yusuf Nurkic fouled out because he can't defend Jokic worth shit. Uh, he fouls out and Covington's defending Jokic in the low block, uh, mid-post area, actually. Carmelo Anthony's cheating over. Uh, Aaron Gordon is set up on the opposite block as kind of a, a floor spacer in that in that kind of zoned-up look that the Blazers were in. And Jokic just waited patiently for the opportunity to arise and then pitched it right to Aaron Gordon for what was basically a game ceiling dunk. It's great to see. Great to see him have those opportunities and, and great to see the Nuggets use him to his best ability where there's no way that Carmelo Anthony can recover to block an Aaron Gordon dunk when it's that quick hitting. The Nuggets are using him well. They're doing a good job. Uh, I'm glad to see him finding a way to fit in. This is how they envisioned using him. Versatile defensive weapon, somebody who got inside on the offensive end, somebody who could use his playmaking a little bit too. Had three assists. So, glad to see it. Monte Morris continues to impress me. Uh, he went two of six from the field today. I thought that he he didn't have some great decisions. Uh, there are some turnovers that I think he needs to get out of his system as well. Had three tonight. A couple of them were where he kind of drove into the teeth of the defense and didn't really have a plan, didn't really have a driving lane. So he's going to need to figure that out. Uh, the Blazers are now sitting on his mid-range pull-up. Uh, they do not play Inez Cantor when he's on the floor anymore as much as they can help it. So I wonder if Morris gets... Um, like they, they're trying to find ways to take him out of the game, which I think is interesting. But he got to the line five times, made a three tonight, eight points, five assists, five rebounds. Those are good numbers. You take them every time. And then, like I mentioned, Paul Millsap, Jamichael Green, Marcus Howard, they each hit a three. Uh, Jamichael Green actually had a sequence where he had like eight points and all eight of his points in a row. I think it was in the late first, early second quarter, somewhere around there. It was great. Like that's exactly what you want from him. You want him to be shooting with confidence, do all of those things, uh, and he did. He he had a really really impressive uh, putback and then layup over, and as Cantor, I'm pretty sure, maybe it was Carmelo. But him being able to find a way to put a put an imprint on this series is a really big deal, because Paul Millsap has had his opportunities, Monte Morris has as well. Marcus Howard, Shaq Harrison, they don't really play enough to really do that. So 
it really has to be Jamichael Green as the other guy. And he did it. That's exactly what you want. He was the last guy that I was kind of worried about from Denver's rotation. I actually wrote about that in a roundtable on Denver Stiffs, that he was a guy that I was worried about. I'm glad he proved me wrong. Eight points, five rebounds, five shots total, two of three from three. Glad to see it. All right, that's pretty much all the notes that I have from this game. Um, There's not a lot else to talk about other than what's next, and then we will talk about that after the break uh, for Pickaxe and Roll. We'll be right back. Here, pickaxe and roll final segment. I want to talk about pressure and I want to talk about where it's currently being applied right now and how the Blazers are going to respond here uh, because they are now down 2 1. And when you go down 2 to 2 to 1 in a series, it starts to get pretty real. Uh, game 3 is obviously an important one, and the Nuggets taking game 3 is a big one. Uh, the winner of game 3 often wins the series, especially after it was tied up 1 to 1. Uh, it's it's the same like like it, there there are all these odds that are that come into effect like the winner of game one wins the series x amount of times the winner of game three when it was tied one to one wins the series x amount of times usually that percentage is high because often the better team wins and you just kind of go with that but I think the dynamic of this series where Denver they weren't they clearly weren't ready heading into game one. Uh, Jokic was ready, and Jokic knew what he needed to do, but even he went 14 of 27 for 34 points. It wasn't perfect, and the way the Blazers defended him, him getting one assist, the Nuggets trying to figure out how to do things around him, Porter shooting one of 10 from three, like there were things they they weren't ready for at, at the outset. Then game two happens, and the Blazers and the Nuggets both make adjustments, but the Nuggets, they make a better adjustment than the Blazers, especially with the way the Dame was shooting. Uh, they bring Ner- uh, Jokic out on the pick and roll a little bit more defensively. They put Aaron Gordon on Dame defensively. That slows him down a little bit. The Blazers, they don't slow down Jokic at all. Like They don't have an answer for him after game two. So you think, okay. Jokic has scored 34 points in game one, 38 points in game two. Are they going to continue doing the thing where they leave him to go one-on-one and they they try to defend everybody else? We'll see. Game three comes around and the Blazers don't really do anything. Like Jokic got his buckets and the Nuggets got their buckets around him as well. They still found out ways to hit threes and and take open shots and generate those looks pretty consistently. I think what really kind of goes under the radar here about Denver is that, yes, they ran hot. Like, shooting 20 of 38 is really running hot. But a lot of those shots were in rhythm. They were shots that Denver likes. They weren't, like, bad looks. There were a couple of them that were bad. 
there were a couple of them that were late shot clock. You didn't want to take that. Like Jokic had to Sombor shuffle a three at one point, but he can make that, so you live with it. Other than that, though, Denver got the three-point shots that they were looking for in the hands of everybody. So, they apply pressure in a very similar way. Now they have applied pressure with Jokic going one-on-one and dominating his matchups to the point that Nurkic has fouled out in two of the, like, in game two and game three. Cantor is unplayable against Nikola Jokic because Jokic will just attack him relentlessly, as he should. And even if it's not Jokic, it's Monte Morris and Nikola Jokic, and Morris, like, if he gets into a pick and roll and Cantor is on him, Every Nugget wants him to attack. Every Nugget wants Monte Morris to attack and as Cantor. Same thing with Mello in a lot of cases. So Morris has the green light there, and he's playing confidently. Denver, they have taken out the Blazers' center rotation in a lot of ways. Nurkic can only play so much time, especially if he's committing dumb fouls. Cantor, he can't really play. Like we we've kind of established this at this point. He, he when he's out there, the Blazers are not playing well, and a lot of it is on him. Now, what do the Blazers do? The pressure is on them. How do they respond when the Nuggets are doing it with their first punch with Nikola Jokic? And in two straight games, the Blazers haven't been able to answer. They got up one zero. It was okay to go down 1-1, or to to get to 1-1, because you're coming back home. But losing game three at home is not, it's not a great look. It really isn't. Like, this should have been a Blazers comfortable win, and the fact that it wasn't applies a lot of pressure. All the pressure is on Portland right now. They're down 2-1, and Denver, all they have to do is win two more home games, let alone two more games. They have four more opportunities to win two games. The Blazers have to go three of four. It's pretty scary. We've seen some weird things happen to teams when pressure is applied. The Nuggets, when they go down 3-1, they look like a different team. They, they play free. They play like very cleanly. Uh, having Jamal Murray obviously helped with that. But Nikola Jokic, same mentality. Like He's a guy who's going to bring it every single game. And every single time there's an elimination game, he brings it because the expectations, there they are what they are. So he's all good. Most of the Nuggets, they take their identity from Nikola Jokic, from their best player. So then they play free and easy. So now you've got a team that plays pretty free and plays pretty well in those situations when pressure is applied. The Los Angeles Clippers... They're sort of the opposite. As soon as pressure was applied last year and now this year, it looks like they're going to crumble. They crumbled pretty badly in those situations. And did that contribute to Denver looking great and bouncing back from 3 1 the way that they did in the conference semis? Sure. But Denver also did the same thing against Utah. So we know it's not a fluke from them because they did it twice in a row. The Clippers, they crumbled. The Blazers, when they went down 3-2 against Denver in 2019 in the playoffs, they came back, they won two games. They won a game on Denver's home floor. 
in Game 7. You know that CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard are going to show up for those pressure-packed moments. Or at least that's what you think. The Blazers are going to show up, in all likelihood. Or at least their stars are. Will they take the identity of their stars? Or will those stars have to do it by themselves? It's a real question yet. And I am very curious to see how they handle it. I'm curious to see how the Blazers just handle all of this. Because if they lose this series, heads are going to roll there. Terry Stotts, he's probably getting fired. Damian Lillard, he might want out. If he doesn't want out, then that means he's going to want an upgrade around him. And the only way to really upgrade around him is to probably trade CJ McCollum. I don't know what you can get for Yusuf Nurkic at this point, but... Maybe they trade Nurk too. I don't know. Whatever the case, the Blazers have a lot of pressure on them. It's organizational. It's this just this year. It's the fact that the Nuggets are doing this without three of their top five guards. Two starters, clearly. And one who might be just a... Like, P.J. Dozier would have been a very important utility piece in this series. He would be playing the Shaq Harrison role defensively while also playing some Monte Morris and Austin Rivers offensively. Like, he'd be doing a lot of stuff, and I'd be pretty happy to watch him do it. It would give Denver a lot more flexibility. As it stands, Denver, they're killing the Blazers in these last two games with Faku Campasso and Austin Rivers starting in the backcourt, with Monte Morris coming in. He's a starting caliber player, or at least close to it, so it's hard to, like, don't hate on Monte, of course, but with Marcus Howard and Shaq Harrison playing big minutes, with Michael Porter this being his first real experience as a second option, this team, they're pretty special. And they just, they, they I, I don't know how to get a grip on them at this point because Every time it feels like they are down, every time it feels like they're in a tough situation, they just bounce back and show that they are better than that. Maybe it's because we're all underestimating them collectively. Maybe it's because we don't fully appreciate that Nikola Jokic might be the best player in the NBA. And being that level of player, playing with a guy like that, it offers a lot of confidence. Because you know that he will take care of you. And so far, quite clearly, he has. 36 points per game in this series. We'll see what the Blazers have in store in Game 4 to try to slow him down. I don't know if they can. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'll be back tomorrow. Should have a guest on. We'll be able to talk about this series. Maybe bounce around the NBA a little bit. Talk about some of the other playoffs that are going on. Uh, Should be a lot of fun. Uh, Make sure to rate and review and subscribe on this podcast. Five stars if you can. Uh, Everybody, this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoy all the love and support. You guys are wonderful. Have a great weekend. Uh, As it turns into Friday here, make sure to take advantage of it. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Talk to you guys very soon.